Chapter 13 Prince Henry the Navigator The Hero of Portugal and of Modern Discovery This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros Prince Henry the Navigator by Charles Raymond Beasley Chapter 13 The Armada of 1445 While Gonzalo Pacheco had been wasting time and men and the good name of Europe and Christendom in his plunderings between Cape Bojador and Cape Blanco, the memory of the death of Gonzalo de Sintra was kept alive in Lagos, and the men of the town came in solemn deputation to the prince before the summer of this same year, 1445, was out, to beg him for permission to take full, perfect, and sufficient vengeance. In other words, they offered to equip the largest fleet that had ever sailed on an ocean voyage, as it now began to be called, a guinea voyage, since the prince began his work. As far as we know, this was also one of the greatest armadas that had been sent out into the new discovered or rediscovered or undiscovered seas and lands since the European nations had begun to look at all beyond their own narrow limits. Neither the fleet of 1341, which found the Canaries, and of which Boccaccio tells us, nor the Genoese expedition of 1291, nor the Catalan venture of 1346, nor de Bethencourt's armament of 1402, for the conquest of the Fortunate Isles, was anything like this armada of 1445 for this last was a real sign of national interest in a work which was not only discovery, but profit and a means to more. It proved that in Portugal, in however base and narrowly selfish a way, there was now a spirit of general enterprising activity, and till this had been once awakened, there was not much hope of great results from the efforts of individuals. The first contingent now equipped in Lagos, for the prince at once approved of his men's idea, numbered fourteen caravels, fourteen of the best sailing ships afloat, as Catamosto said a little later, but this was only the central fleet, under Lanzarote as admiral. Three more ships came from Madeira, one of them under Tristam Vaz, the colonizer of Funcal. Diniz Diaz headed another contingent from Lisbon. Zarco, the chief partner in the discovery and settlement of Madeira, sent his own caravel in command of his nephew. In all there were seven-and-twenty ships, caravels, galleys, and pinnaces. Since the Carthaginians sent out their colonists under Hanno beyond the Pillars of Hercules, a larger and braver fleet had not sailed down that desolate west of Africa. Gil Ienes, who had rounded Bojador, was there with the Diaz, who had passed the green headland and come first to the land of the Negroes, and the list of captains was made up of the most daring and seasoned of Spanish seamen. Scarcely a man who had ventured on the ocean voyages of the last thirty years was still alive and able-bodied who did not sail on the 10th August, 1445. At the start, 
Cape Blanco was appointed as the rendezvous. With favoring wind and tide, the ships raced out as far as Arguin. Lawrence, a younger brother of the Diaz family, drew ahead and was the first to fall in with Pacheco's three caravels, which were slowly crawling home after their losses now hearing of the great fleet that was coming after to take vengeance they turned about to wait for them as it was worth while to have revenge though one had to live on short rations so now thirty european ships and their crews were included in the fleet the pioneer lawrence diaz and the rest lay too at the isle of herons in the bank of arguin while waiting there, they saw some wonderful things in birds, and Azurara tells us what they told him, though rather doubtfully. The great beaks of the marabou, or prophet bird, struck them most, a cubit long and more, three fingers' breadth across, and the bill smooth and polished, like a beshaw's scabbard, and looking as if artificially worked with fire and tools, the mouth and gullet so big that the leg of a man of the ordinary size would go into it. On these birds particularly, says Azurara, our men refresh themselves during their three days' stay. Slowly but surely, two by two, three by three, nine caravels mustered at Cape Blanco, and as the flagship of Lanzarote was among them, an attack was made at once with two hundred and seventy-eight men picked from among the crews, the footmen and lancers in one boat and the archers in another, with Lanzarote himself and the men-at-arms behind. They were steered by pilots who had been on the coast before and knew it, and it was hoped they would come upon the natives of Tider Island with the first light of dawn. But the way was longer than the pilots reckoned. The night was pitchy dark, without moon or stars. The tide was on the ebb, and at last the boats were aground. It was well on in the morning before they got off on the flood and rowed along the coast to find a landing place. The shore was manned with natives, not at all taken by surprise, but dancing, yelling, spitting, and throwing missiles in insolent defiance. After a desperate struggle on the beach, they were put to flight with trifling loss, eight killed, four taken. But when the raiders reached the village, they found it empty. The women and children had been sent away, and all their wretched little property had gone with them. The same was found true of all the villages on that coast, but in a second battle on the next day, fifty-seven moors were captured, and the army went back on shipboard once more. And now the fleet divided. Lanzarote, holding a council of his captains, declared the purpose of the voyage was accomplished. They had punished the natives and taken vengeance for Gonzalo de Sintra and the other martyrs now it was for each crew and captain to settle whether they would go farther all the prisoners having now been divided like prize-money between the ships there was nothing more to stay for five caravels at once returned to portugal after trying to explore the inlet of the sea at cape blanco but they only went up in their boats five leagues and then turned back one stayed in the Bay of Arguin to traffic in slaves, and lost one of the most valuable captives by sheer carelessness. A woman, badly guarded, slipped out and swam ashore. 
but there was a braver spirit in some others of the fleet the captain of the king's caravel which had come from lisbon in the service of the king's uncle swore he would not turn back he gomez pires would go on to the nile the prince had ordered him to bring him certain word of it he would not fail him lancerot for himself said the same and another one alvero de freitas capped the offers of all the rest he would go on beyond the negro nile to the earthly paradise to the farthest east where the four sacred rivers flowed from the tree of life well do you all know how our lord the infant sets great store by us that we should make him know clearly about the land of the negroes and especially the river of nile it will not be a small guerdon that he will give for such service six caravels in all formed the main body of the perseverance and these coasted steadily along till they came to diaz's cape of palms which they knew was near the senegal and the land of the negroes and so beautiful did the land now become and so delicious was the scent from the shore that it was as if they were by some gracious fruit garden ordained to the sole end of their delights and when the men in the caravels saw the first palms and towering woodland they knew right well that they were close upon the river of nile which the men there call the sanaga for the infant had told them how little more than twenty leagues beyond the sight of those trees they would see the river as his prisoners of the azanegue tribes had told him and as they looked carefully for the signs of this they saw at last two leagues from land a color of the water that was different from the rest for that was of the color of mud and understanding this to mean that there were shoals they put farther out to sea for safety when one took some of the water in his hand and put it to his mouth and found that it was sweet and crying out to the others of a surety said they we are now at the river of nile for the water of the river comes with such force into the sea as to sweeten it so they dropped their anchors in the river's mouth and they of the caravel of vincent diaz another brother of diniz and lawrence let down a boat into which jumped eight men who pulled ashore here they found some ivory and elephant hide and had a fierce battle with a huge negro whose two little naked children they carried off but though the chronicle of the voyages stops here for several chapters of rapturous reflection on the greatness of the nile and the valor and spirit of the prince who had thus found a way to its western mouth we must follow the captains as they coast slowly along to cape verde for that the wind was fair for sailing landing on a couple of uninhabited islands off the cape they found first of all fresh goatskins and other things and then the arms of the infant and the words of his motto talent de bien faire carved upon trees and they doubted like azuraro when writing down his history from their lips whether the great power of alexander or of caesar could have planted traces of itself so far from home as these islands were from sagres for though the distance looked small enough on a full map of all the world on the chart of the then known it was indeed a lengthy stretch some two thousand miles fully as great a distance as the whole range of the mediterranean from the coast of palestine to the straits of gibraltar
now by these signs adds the chronicler they understood right well that other caravels had been there already and it was so for it was the ship of john gonsalves zarco captain of madeira which had passed this way as they found for a fact on the day after and wishing to land but finding the number of the natives to be such that they could not land by day or night they put on shore a ball and a mirror and a paper on which was drawn a cross and when the natives came and found them in the morning they broke the ball and threw away the pieces and with their assegais broke up the mirror into little bits and tore the paper showing that they cared for none of these things since this is so said captain gomez pires to the archers draw your bows upon these rascals that they may know we are people who can do them a damage but the negroes returned the fire with arrows and assegais deadly weapons the arrows unfeathered and without a string notch but tipped with deadly poison of herbs made of reed or cane or charred wood with long iron heads and the assegais poisoned in like manner and pricked with seven or eight harpoons of iron so that it was no easy matter to draw it out of the flesh so they lost heart for going farther with all the coastland up in arms against them and turned back to lagos but before they left the cape they noticed in the desert island where they had found the prince's arms trees so large that they had never seen the like for among them was one which was a hundred and eight palms round at the foot yet this tree the famous baobab was not much higher than a walnut of its fibre they make good thread for sewing which burns like flax its fruit is like a gourd and its kernels like chestnuts and so we are told all the captains put back along the coast in a mind to enter the aforesaid river of nile but one of the caravels getting separated from the rest and not liking to enter the senegal alone went straight to lagos and another put back to water in the bay of arguin and the rio duro estuary where there came to them at once the moors on board the caravel full of confidence because they had never had any dealings before with the merchants of spain and sold them a negro for five doubloons and gave them meat and water from their camels and came in and out on board the ship so that there was great fear of treachery but at last without any quarrel they were all put on shore under promise that next july their friends would come again and trade with them in slaves and gold to their heart's content and so taking in a good cargo of sealskins they made their way straight home meantime two of the other caravels and a pinnace which had been separated early in the voyage from the main body under the pilotage of the veteran dinis diaz had also made their way to cape verde had fought with the natives in some desperate skirmishes one night had his shield stuck as full with arrows as the porcupine with quills and had turned back in the face of the same discouragements as the rest and so would have ended the whole of this great enterprise but for the dauntless energy of one captain and his crew 
Zarco of Madeira had given his caravel to his nephew with a special charge that, come what might, he was not to think of profit and trading, but of doing the will of the prince his lord. He was not to land in the fatal Bay of Arguin, which had been the end of so many enterprises. He was to go, as Dinis Diaz had first gone, straight to the land of the Negroes, and passed beyond the farthest of earlier sailors. Now the caravel, says Azurara proudly, was well equipped and was manned by a crew that was ready to bear hardship, and the captain was full of energy and zeal, and so they went on steadily, sailing through the great sea of ocean, till they came to the river of Nile, where they filled two pipes with water, of which they took back one to the city of Lisbon and not even Alexander, though he was one of the monarchs of the world, ever drank of water that had been brought from so far as this. But now, still going on, they passed Cape Verde, and landed upon the islands I have spoken of, to see if there were any people there. But they found only some tame goats, without any one to tend them, and it was there that they made the signs that the others found on coming after the arms of the infant with his device and motto and then drawing in close to the cape they waited to see if any canoes would come off to them and anchored about a mile off the shore but they had not waited long before two boats with ten negroes in them put off from the beach and made straight for the caravel like men who came in peace and friendship and being near they began to make signs as if for a safe conduct which were answered in like manner, and then at once, without any other precaution, five of them came on board the caravel, where the captain made them all the entertainment that he could, bidding them eat and drink, and so they went away with signs of great contentment. But it appeared after that in their hearts they meditated treachery, for as soon as they got to land they talked with the other natives on shore, and thinking that they could easily take the ship, with this intent there now set out six boats, with five and thirty or forty men, arrayed as those who come to fight. But when they came close they were afraid, and stayed a little way off, without daring to make any attack. And seeing this, our men launched a boat on the other side of the caravel, where they could not be seen by the enemy, and manned it with eight rowers, who were to wait till the canoes came nearer to the ship. At last the negroes were tired of waiting and watching, and one of their canoes came up closer, in which were five strong warriors, and at once our boat rowed round the caravel and cut them off, and because of the great advantage that we had in our style of rowing, in a trice our men were upon them, and they, having no hope of defense, threw themselves into the water, and the other boats made off for the shore and our men had the greatest trouble in catching those that were swimming away, for they dived not a whit worse than cormorants, so that we could scarcely catch hold of them. One was taken, not very easily, on the spot, and another, who fought as desperately as two men, was wounded, and with these two the boat returned to the caravel. And for that, they saw that it would not profit them to stay longer in that place. They resolved to see if they could find any new lands of which they might bring news to the infant their lord. And so, sailing on again, they came to a cape, 
where they saw groves of palm-trees dry and without branches which they called the cape of masts here a little farther along the coast a reconnoitering party of seven landed and found four negro hunters sitting on the beach armed with bows and arrows who fled on seeing the strangers and as they were naked and their hair cut very short they could not catch them and only brought away their arrows for a trophy this cape of mass or some point of the coast a little to the southeast was the farthest now reached by zarco's caravel from here they put back and sailed direct to madeira and thence to the city of lisbon where the infant received them with reward enough for this caravel of all those who had sailed at this time fourteen forty five had done most and reached farthest there was one contingent of the great armada yet unaccounted for but they were sad defaulters three of the ships on the outward voyage which had separated from the main body and lancerot's flagship had the cowardice or laziness to give up the purpose of the voyage altogether they agreed to make a descent on the canary islands instead of going to guinea at all that year here they stayed some time raiding and slave-hunting but also making observations on the natives and the different natural features of the different islands which as we have them in the old chronicle are not the least interesting part of the story of the lagos armada of fourteen forty five chapter thirteen